and welcome to the Right Track Podcast. My name is Valencia Stokes and I'm your host this week. This is our second episode and we are talking about romance and I'm so excited. We're going to trash it. We're going to hate it. Talk about everything we don't like. I'm joking. We wouldn't want all the romance writers if we were. We have a great panel today. Can you please introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Axa. I go by the handle name Luna's Musing. And I do not write romance, but I've read a lot, a lot of romance and watched plenty of rom-coms. So I'm, I think I'm adequately prepared. You totally are. Daria? Hi, my name is Daria White. I am currently writing sweet romance and I'm eventually going to branch out into cozy mystery and historical fiction. But I uh, grew up watching romance so it is one of my favorites um i am a little bit old school when it comes to romance in terms of movies uh i do love turner classic movies so anything between 1930s and 1960s that's my era and i think those are just awesome when it comes to romance i'll, I'll watch the contemporary every now and then but those are my favorites so hi everybody i'm rebecca and i also write sweet romance i usually focus on like college students friends turned lovers um i love i do love my tropes um i also write science fiction romance and time travel romance as well so i've dabbled in a lot of different genres but uh i also love watching romantic comedies from the 60s especially doris day is like my girl i just love her i've loved her since i was a kid um they're they're my inspiration for a lot of what I do. Um, and then also, I am a college professor by day, and so I teach technical writing and creative writing at a local community college. Wow. So as you see, we got ourselves a really good panel to talk about this stuff. Um, I First, I just want to know, like, how, how did you get into romance? What's your general thoughts on it today? Hmm. Well, I'll say, uh, again, it's just something that I've always liked. And reading a lot of books, you know, of course, it's just my go-to romance. So it's not like I won't branch out, but I think everyone loves a good love story every now and then. And it really does help you kind of, you know, see things the way, you know, in terms of a happily ever after happening, even though the world doesn't always work that way. It's nice to kind of get lost in the world of another character and everything works out. And then, of course, you come back to reality. But for me, I love the journey that I get to create. It's one thing to be a reader, but then when you're the author, you create the story, you create the journey. So it's interesting to to kind of switch roles now that I get to create it and I get to bring readers on the journey with me. So that's one of my favorite things now with it. I really love showing like regular men. Um, I write beta males. I think they call it in the romance industry. Just really sweet, shy guys that don't really want to ask the girl out or tell her that he loves her. And he's just in agony because he's watching her like fall in love with him. He finally comes to her rescue and sweeps off her feet. I love, uh, I've always loved like love triangles too. So like watching two guys like fight over a girl is kind of like my guilty pleasure. So I love, I love writing love triangles a lot. Um, growing up, I read Anne of Green Gables. And so I loved her sweet falling in love with Gilbert. I loved historical romances. So like anytime someone just rides on a horse and this saves her from the country plantation was always my favorite moment. So I started writing romance in graduate school, actually, because I wrote a short story and one of my friends was like, this is really good. You should uh, write uh, a whole novel on it. And the whole scene was just two couple. It was a couple in a boardroom and they were good friends. And we were supposed to not let anyone know they were in love with each other. And so 
I wrote 85,000 words in three weeks. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it snowballed into just this book, and today it's a series of four books. So after that, I was just hooked. Like, I, I just couldn't stop writing after that. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> Three weeks, wow. I know, it was Christmas break and just every day I was like, story, <laughs> typing it up, like it was crazy. Oh my goodness, I love when we have those type of writing breakthroughs. I need one of those. I think um, EJ last week said that she wrote like an entire mm. book in just a little while and I was like, when is this going to happen to me? Please, please, just happen. <laughs> I used to write like some romance but it takes like a very tragic turn like very quickly so that's kind of where mine goes um in in addition to that I just I watched so many rom-coms and I do love it like I love a good trope I'm not gonna lie but as I got older I'm like there are a lot of problematic things happening especially in the older things I'm like I didn't think that was weird until recently which is why I can watch it and enjoy it but at the same time I'm like I'm not gonna write that yeah I um I, I was thinking before we got into this, I was like, I'm not really into romance. I don't read the books and whatnot. But then I was like, okay, that was a lie because I read fan fiction like every day. And all my fan fiction is romance. It's my favorite couples and stuff. So I'm like, I'm pretty well versed on this. So I'm super excited to get into it. Um, are there any tropes that you like hate or you love? Uh... <laughs> Let me look at the list here. I had to keep it up so I would remember which one. Um, I really, I really want to talk about the female virgin lead because the <laughs> sweet innocent girl that's just like, I can't wait to be defiled. Like, okay, look, like you potentially uh, might have been a hoe before this guy came along, <laughs> but now you're gonna act all sweet. I and I'm not. I'm, I, do, I read Fifty Shades of Grey, but I'm just like, come on. Like, no woman is that innocent that she has somehow escaped literally every single sexual object thrown at her that she's like, a billionaire, better drop my pants. Like, right. that's not how it works. Like, mm. and I like the fantasy with romance, but, like, sometimes I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah, that would kind of, that would drives me crazy. Yeah, and I think it was also mentioned in terms of like in her in terms of her uh, being the ugly duckling and the loser girl. I yeah. don't yes. particularly care for that because I personally like to see you know us as women be confident. Now, yes, we all have our insecurities about something one way or another, yeah. but we still have to love ourselves. So don't look for that in this guy to breathe life into you. Of course, you can still love each other and have that relationship. But don't feel like your world is going to end without him. And no, I have to have him or else I'm nothing because, you know, that I personally am not a fan of that. So, yeah, I'm more of a, okay, love yourself, boo, first. <laughs> My favorite <laughs> stories. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You keep going. <laughs> That's okay. It's like, love yourself first and then you can get to him. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. My favorite stories are when the girl, kind of like, legally blonde how she was like oh my god warner <laughs> warner i love you yes. chased him to like, law school through you I <laughs> like that, movie, though. that was my favorite i, like that movie, ben. <laughs> I love that ben. so snap. in my that book that i just told you about that i wrote in three weeks 
it's a like a she's a plus size girl and she's in love with this guy and he's like oh i'm sorry i don't love you i'm getting married to this other chick and she leaves and she goes to paris and so i called the series postcards from paris because she just slips him postcards like every month to tell him where she is and like i really wanted her to be like damaged and oh my world is ending and all this and then halfway through the book i was like Screw this. So she goes to Paris, finds a hot Paris dude, hooks up with him. The other guy ends up in Paris and he's like, I changed my mind and come to get you. And she's like, too late. Oh my gosh, I'm reading <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to send you a link because like the way, when she just realizes like, screw this guy, I'm over it. I'm going to find someone who actually loves me for me. It is just, it was my favorite part of writing that book. Oxa, do you have any tropes that you like super hate? or love i said well i really like i'm gonna i'm gonna use like how to lose a guy and in 10 days as an example but there's this really strong emphasis on women hating women especially in rom-coms like oh i'm not like other girls and like i just really hate these other women and i like sports so i'm clearly so different like i just i did again when i was younger i so i totally didn't even realize that there was anything wrong with that i'm just like Oh, she is different. When I rewatched like that recently, so I was gonna write like a whole blog post about this. But like literally, like just them talking about like, oh, a girl who who wears makeup, she's not. She's like, you don't want someone like that. You want someone who can eat a lot and like likes to like like to play sports and like just one of the guys. Mm-hmm. Then I just felt that's like quite a big emphasis in a lot of rom coms. Um, yeah. I you know I see that in real life where people make stupid little posts like, oh I'm unique and I'm different because I I like to eat burgers and blah 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 <laughs> and it's like bro everybody likes to eat burgers a lot of us like to eat burgers <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah, and I'll piggyback up on that I'll piggyback up on that because I mean in terms of you know, the looks and the makeup. I mean, I personally, as a woman, wear makeup because I like to wear it. It's not like I have to wear it because I'm insecure about something. I'm not trying to cover up. If I don't feel like wearing it, I'm not going to wear it. But, yeah, that can be taken that way to where it's like, oh, you don't wear makeup. Oh, you must not. Well, I wear it because I want to wear it. And there are days where, you know, I may skip a burger in between, but I'm still going to eat my fries. So <laughs> if you can't get with that, then fine. I'm not trying. I mean, yes, I do believe in being healthy. I take care of my body. I work out with Pilates. But I'm not so obsessed with this. Like, I have to look a certain way or this guy's not going to pay attention to me. If you don't like me for who I am, then we're definitely not going to talk. Because that's who I am and that's what I'm bringing to the table. So, yeah, I'm not. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> not so, we also need to talk about this whole trend in, like, shifter romance with yes. the insta-love thing. Because... I love a good girl who can find a guy, but, like, sometimes I pick up these books and, like, he's a wolf and he marks her as his mate and then, bam, they're just together forever, even though he could be, like, an abusive jerk or whatever. Uh, What do you guys think about that? And why is that such a... Why do people want that trend? Like, I don't understand it at all. You know, like, they think it's just easy. Like, insta-love. Like, yeah, you see them straight away and it makes your life so easy rather than, like, thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. there's, like, a strong thing to do with dominance where they really want to be do- dominated. Yeah. Like, that's all I can think about. But personally, I feel like I just prefer, like, enemies to lovers rather than insta-love. Like, I like yeah. the build-up. Yes, <laughs> me too. Yeah. I love enemies <laughs> to lovers. Um, And I also think, like, the the shifter romance in the insta love like 
they don't have to put in any thought into the characters, like making the characters meld together into a nice relationship that's believable. Some people are just like, he's a hot guy, she's a hot girl, let's get them together. And they don't really, they don't really try to do anything unique with it, which I, I personally, that I hate that a lot. You could have nothing in common, but like, oh, the sexual chemistry is there. Like, he's not even high school educated. How do you know that you're like meant to be? <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. Well, I will say, um, I'm well. I haven't quite done insta love in anything that I've written, but uh, two things I wanted to bring up. One, um, what I try to do is, if I've written a story and it may seem like the guy has loved her from afar. I've had it to where they grew up together. So they started it on a friendship, but maybe she didn't see him that way. So it may come across as if, oh my gosh, you know, they're already in love, but it's, it, I, I try to make it come across as if, you know, he's always loved her, but now she's starting to see him as, you know, they're older, they're adults, they're more mature. Yeah. But another thing I wanted to ask in terms of, um, I think you guys talked about the shifter romance. It may not be quite the same since it's not necessarily a werewolf thing and, you know, you're being marked. But has anybody read the after book? I think it was, uh, I think it was a bestseller on Wattpad. And I was reading the reviews for it. And it kind of came across the reviews, you know. Yeah. I'm just asking. I, I haven't read it, but I saw some reviews where, where some, I guess some readers were saying, you know, how can you promote this abusive type of relationship? But she's so in love with him. So what do you guys think about that I'm kind of curious. I, I heard about After because it started off as a Harry Styles fanfic, and yeah. they not only published it, well, they made now it. We know why. And yes, so they had to change the character instead of Harry, it's turned into Hayden. He still has like an Ameri- um an English, a British accent, but apparently it's like quite abusive. So everyone's just thinking, imagine like what Harry Styles is going through right now. Oh wow! But I first of all, I can't imagine doing it like as a as a real person, first of all, but also like idealizing like an abusive relationship because there's been things out now like you which show what's wrong in a relationship, but so like they change, they're mm-hmm. sort of going backwards in a way, making it an abusive relationship is the ideal, and that's why a lot of women in an abusive relationship don't realize that they are because that's kind of what's been idealized for yes. them. Yes, yes. And I think, too, that, like, uh, with the popularity of Fifty Shades of Grey, a lot of people want to feel like there's this guy that is going to, like, make them eat and bring them flowers and give them a car and, like, treat them like a lady but then be a bad boy in the bedroom. And it's just, like, I really just want you to share your fries with me and then, like, pick me up when I need a ride. Like, I don't really... Yeah, I'm like you with that because I do try to write about guys that, you know, may not be considered the bad boy. Now, of course, you know, he's still strong. He's a man. He's not, you know, but but I still want, you know, like the unlikely guy to win the girl. You know, he is respectful. He is still chivalrous. That may be rare today, but some girls still appreciate a man opening the door. And I know we're independent. We can do it ourselves. But it is still nice to be regarded and treated and respected as a woman. So, no, you don't. Please don't dominate me. You know, treat me with respect and kindness. And you know, I want the unlikely guy to win the girl, honestly, because mm-hmm. he may, because he he may have been there all the time. But if she's so focused on the bad boy and caught up in this toxic relationship, she fails to see him. And then if you know, push comes to shove, he may move on to someone else. And then she finally gets it. Oh, I missed out on a good guy. Well, yeah, you didn't even regard him. Yeah. 
And there's other ways to express romance too. Like I, one of the, one of my books I wrote, I started every chapter with text messages from when they were like 16. And so like now they're, now they're like 25, 26. And she, she's actually his, um, his college professor and he's the student. Like he came back after the war and he's like 28 and he's getting his degree. And so I started with like, they're like kind of flirting with each other at high school. And so then she looks and she thinks about the tweet in every chapter and she's like, when I was sad, he sent me funny memes. And that is the most romantic thing that I, I can do. And so, like, one of the reviews on my book actually said that it was, like, really immature that memes would cheer a girl up. What? Like, funny pictures. And I was like, yeah, well, flowers die. And that's a terrible sign of romance. So, like, send me funny pictures. <laughs> yes, yes. You see writing community every day. Writing community. I I am starting a new job. I did this. And it's like, send me memes and whatnot. It's, just, it's so helpful. It helps. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, little GIF. You know, I'm just now starting to get into the GIFs. I did not know what that was to the writing community. Now I'm like, okay, GIF, GIF, GIF. <laughs> I think it's GIF, Daria. It's GIF. <laughs> I love you. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> at least, but at least she didn't say GIF though. That's the that's yeah. the fight right ah, there. <laughs> hey, what, hey, when in doubt, just spell it out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, a lot of the guys that people write. That's why I'm so excited about the type of guys you guys write because when I grew up, I. Twilight was the first romance that I really got into and was like, oh, it's a romance. And a lot of the things that Edward did and everything, at that age, it was kind of like, oh, wow, that's so nice. He he doesn't he doesn't want her to be in trouble and blah, blah, blah. And they're jealous and whatever. But now that I'm older, I'm like. I would probably have to fight this dude if he tried to get me do half of what he did to Bella. Like, you gonna leave me in the forest? And, and Screw you, walk out of the forest! <laughs> that, like, that's, that, I think that's, like, I understand what you say, Oxo, when you said um, some of the people don't know, they don't realize some of the abusive tendencies like uh, that they might have because they've seen it in the books and they're like, oh yeah, that's totally normal. Oh my God, he's jealous. He's going to punch a hole through the wall. And I don't think people realize it until they're actually in that situation that they're like, you know what? This is scary. Uh, no. Yeah, that's illegal. I mean, in most states. <laughs> yes. uh, so also I think like, guys like now they're starting to try well not starting to try they have been doing this they try to live up to that that image that they portray in some of the romances whether that's toxic or not but then on the other side too like what about just male and female characters being friends yeah like why can't a girl have a guy she likes and then be friends with another guy and just hang out with him and go to a football game or he goes to a freaking bridal shower i don't know like it's yeah there's many different issues i'll admit like even even i'll get caught up and i'm like oh they're best friends they're perfect for each other of course if you're friends you're gonna be perfect for each other i would hope but like um I'm, I'm like, oh, yeah, they should totally get together. And it, that's just where my head immediately goes. I, get, I think we've been a little conditioned to into that. What do you think? 
I personally have done it and I still do it because I am rooting for that type of thing. Like, oh, they're going to forever and now they're in love. So I'm team with that, honestly, because I, I, I like that. I mean, because, you know, it's just beautiful to watch to me. And I mm-hmm. love creating a story like that. But hey, if it doesn't work out, then, you know, it doesn't work out. Of course, mm-hmm. we can still be friends, but I'm personally going to write that. <laughs> I love writing Friends the Romance. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to write anything else. Like, I, they need to, like, I, I have one book where, like, they didn't hook up to, like, chapter seven, and I was so angry. I was like, this is taking forever. They're talking again. Like, I do a lot of dialogue, tons of, like, Winnie banter like they're in a coffee shop and he's trying to compare her to a cup of coffee and it's failing you know and so like I love the friends thing but sometimes they're just you know I can't get them (laughs) they're friends for too long sometimes I'm like just kiss each other but I really hope that readers do the same thing too I really hope that they're just like oh my god just stop just (laughs) get a hotel room right now yeah while touching on like the friendships in romance, especially in YA, what they tend to do a lot is just completely write out the friends. Oh yeah. Just, like actually, Twilight is hella guilty of this. It's just like as soon as she meets Edward, that is her family, that is all her friends. That's all she's gonna ever need in her life. And yeah, I don't know if it's just easier to write them out completely and just like cut off all your friends, but that's just a trend I've seen quite a bit as well. I don't know if you guys have any opinions on that. I, I personally try not to do that because, uh, yeah, you still have a life outside of this guy. You still have your family. So, yes, if you try to find that balance. So I do have it, even if, you know, I have a scene focused on just the two of them, I still have it to where she'll confide in her friend or she'll talk to her dad or she'll confide in her, you know, whoever, you know, she is in contact with. Because I don't want it to seem as if, you know, they're on this own little island by themselves and nothing can get to them, nothing can harm them life still happens around you and that's the whole point because you know you're still trying to work out this relationship together as life is happening because life's still going to happen whether you're in a relationship or not and you gotta learn how to balance that and you know and some friends don't take too kind to that oh oh so so you got a man so you can't call nobody okay fine and then susie breaks her heart Mm -hmm, i see you coming back now he didn't stay with you Mm. It's true. Sorry, yeah. But you need side characters, and it doesn't always have to be a best friend. It can also be a mom or a dad or a brother or a sister. And I, as an editor, I see those stories all the time. Like, I've actually had clients, like, tell me, well, you were so mean to me. Well, you know, there was two people in this story. (laughs) And then they end up boating. And that was it. That was the whole story. And it was boring. So, like... Side characters and romance are really important. I don't think anybody thinks about that. Like, they have to be able to vent on the side or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bella was like, forget all y'all. I'm with the Cullen. She immersed herself in that vampire werewolf world. She was like, dad who? Mom who? Like, we barely heard about her parents. And she lived with her dad. I would say, too, that, like, I, I would give Stephanie Myers some credit here, yeah. though, that she does do a good job of um, Bella having that internal turmoil where she's like oh I don't want anyone to find out so I should ditch my friends to keep this vampire thing a secret but it's like it it still feels abusive to me in a way because that's what happens when like you see your friend with a guy that's bad for her and then she stops talking to everybody and you're like oh yeah he's abusive so you know yeah we shouldn't let happen in in new moon when she just stopped at life that must have been terrifying to watch. I was actually, um, I think, not 
of course they were going to support her, which is very good and everything. But I'm surprised, like, throughout the entire series, they didn't just, they weren't just like, you know what, Bella? I'm done with you. You go hang out with the Cullens. <laughs> Goodbye. I'm surprised they were at that wedding. Like, stuff like that. <laughs> I, I was just about to ask well, who all came to the wedding. <laughs> and then who ended up marking on her daughter? Sorry for the spoiler, but it's been 15 years. We should all know <laughs> that <laughs> what happened with Jacob. That's, I was great. I was in my early 20s when that came out. I was in college, and I was super excited about Twilight because I was like, oh, a good, clean romance where people aren't just like, having gross vampire sex everywhere. And I really liked it. And then at the end, when everything went bad with Jacob, I was like, this is a terrible book. Yeah, <laughs> creepy. Very that creepy. Thing, young, when Breaking Dawn came out, I, I accepted it very quickly. So I was just kind of like, okay, so that's what happened. That's whatever. Yeah. But like, now that I read it, I'm like, what the heck did I just accept so quickly? Like, right. I accepted the vampire stalking so quickly. I accepted the fact that he imprinted on R- Renesme or Nessie. I, I accepted way too much. I'm gonna say you name my daughter after the Loch Ness monster is still my favorite line yes. from the whole movie. <laughs> she was so right. mad about that. I thought Nessie was kind of cute because <laughs> Renesme was a horrible thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the interesting thing about like romance is that or at least you know as you grow up you start especially these days you notice every little thing that is possibly like problematic and I think it's really interesting looking back on what people were like yeah but now they're like no this is trash and you're canceled I think it's very interesting to see Mm -hmm. that I think that the romance market is super saturated with so many different like tropes and ideas and and you know everybody has their own unique take on things but sometimes it gets a little crazy and so there's just millions of romance books coming out every single day and it's hard for a lot of authors to find like their voice and like what they're trying to write and you have to decide if you're going to write to the industry or write what you want and if you do both the God love you, but it's really hard to do both. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, I I personally try to write what I want to write. Now, if it falls into one of those tropes, then that's just how the story pan out. Mm-hmm. But I, I still try to write uh, the story that you know has has come to me and what I want to show to the public. And yeah, finding your voice with that is it, it yeah, because there's so much out there. And readers like, okay, well, what makes this author different than the other author? I personally do believe that, you know, you still have your own unique perspective because it's still your story. It may be another love triangle. It may be another enemies to lovers. But if you haven't read mine, you know, then you haven't read mine. So you're not, so you really don't know what I'm going to do. But I still try to stick with, you know, of course, I look at the industry, but I still like, you know what, I got to write the story that, you know, I want to write. So if, you know, if they love it, then great. If you didn't like it, then I didn't write it for you anyway. So I'm not worried about that. That's true. I guess uh, it's hard to like write what you want to write and then love it. And then you give the baby over to the readers and they go, this is terrible. I don't like this. So I have a review on one of my books where somebody was like, I don't remember anything about it. Three stars. And I was like, oh, not a single thing. I didn't remember anything about the book. (laughs) and that like I just was so like I will never again will I let someone forget about it so now I'm gonna have to just be over the top with everything because I don't want you to forget about it oh my goodness. <laughs>
and if you're if you're including vampires on paranormal, uh, the lady that wrote Vampire Diaries, she wrote it in the mid '90s, and so yeah. she ended up having to sell her rights back because the books did so terrible, and they're terrible books. Trust me, but they're terrible books. Um, but the um, CW bought the rights to do that show. I mean, that show we all know ran for like eight or nine seasons, right? But that author that wrote those books. She doesn't get a penny, what? not a penny of that money, because she sold all her rights away. So Paranormal's really only been a thing since about 2005, when when uh, Twilight first came out. But now, 15 years for one genre of not even great romance is, <laughs> that's crazy. I mean, and it's just, it's exploded to the point where, like, you can't get away from shifter books everywhere, or vampire romances, or whatever. I'm trying to change that, because I really love Outlander, and I really love history, and I really love time travel, and so I'm trying to, like, cut through all that stuff. So I always have to do promos with Paranormal, and people go, well, history, that's just stupid. Nobody wants to talk about, you know, your character being in the Middle Ages or being in the 1700s and falling in love with somebody. So um, I'm really hoping with shows like Outlander that we're going to change the paranormal thing. But I don't know. We keep coming out with more paranormal shows. <laughs> so we'll have to oh, see. It's interesting mm-hmm. to watch how it how it flows and evolves and what and whatnot. That, it reminds me I read something. So they say back in the day, the people were writing books and they wanted their characters to, you know, do things together. But at the time, it wasn't acceptable for women to be like, yeah, I want to do this, you know. (laughs) And so they just they had the man be like the um, the perpetrator, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like. He, he rips her clothes off, but she's like, no, but she actually really wants it. And now that has like a whole nother layer of like creepiness. But back in the day, they had to do it. But now it's kind of still prevalent, even though it is more acceptable for women to want sex and stuff like that. Have you heard about that? Oh, yeah. Well, when I used to read YA romance, they used to have this thing where like, the girl always says no to a kiss, but the guy kisses her anyway, and she just gives in, and that's meant to be romantic. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's in... Yeah, it's, it's not right. But, <laughs> yeah, especially, like, in the early 2000s, I feel like every YA, YA romance had that in it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, he knows her more than she knows herself. Like, no, no, he doesn't. <laughs> no, he's just a rapist or an assaulter. <laughs> Let's just call it how it is. Consent. Uh, oh, I don't know if anyone watched My So-Called Life, but that's the first time I saw it, like... Um, in it, um, Jordan Catalano tries to kiss the main character while she's like mid sentence. She just pushes him away. She's like, um, did you not see I was talking? And I was just like clapping, like my little twelve year old self, just clapping, like yes, girl. <laughs> yes, I girl. need to see that. I need to. <laughs> oh well, well, it, honestly, when I write uh, romance, um, honestly, that doesn't come to mind. But I mean, I know you know that was you know the way that it used to be, as you said, Valencia. Mm-hmm. But uh, me. I really try to stay in tune with my female characters. So if I wouldn't want something to happen to me, I'm not going to put it in the book. So if I have a scene where, you know, she's talking and he tries to go in for it, if I know that I would like, hold up, hold up, then I would have her do that too. So I, it, it really kind of mirrors me a little bit. So a little bit of me is in there. But I do try to have it to where, you know, as they're getting to know each other throughout the book, I mean, of course, with it being realistic, because, you know, stuff's going to happen to complicate things. 
but try to be honest as much as possible because if I'm not comfortable with something, you know, I'm going to let you know. And as the guy, I'm, I want you to be respectful. And, you know, if he's not, then as I would do, my female would be like, okay, well, okay, well, I don't want to talk to you anymore, you know, and just, and just move on. But yeah, uh, well, I have had a few times where, you know, the guy may cut her off during a kiss if she is talking, but it's not like he just forces himself. It's like he's moving closer to her and she gets a little breathy and you're like, okay, <laughs> like, uh, oh, what are you doing? And, and so I may have it like that, but of course, no, he's, at least in my book, he's not going to force himself on her. So no, no, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. I want everyone listening to know that even though some of the especially the last one that one's just trash but a lot of these that we've been talking about I have loved at times I'm like oh yes like you tell me about it I'm like oh my gosh and I just can't help myself so it totally makes sense why the romance industry is booming because it makes it just gives you butterflies and you know it's just it's it's nice it's nice Yeah, and again, you know, we like to watch things from afar as, I, I think, as people. You know, it may not happen to us in real life, but we kind of get lost in there. We're like, oh, this is so sweet. This is such a beautiful... And it may, you know, they may have these misunderstandings. And I think that was part of the trope, too, like, the misunderstandings. Like, just talk to each other. You know, why, yeah. why, are, why are you assuming this happened? Now, I have had that in mind. I will admit that. So I still, I still <laughs> dabble in it. But it's like, just talk to each other. Be honest. Why are you walking away? Could you sing or talk to another guy? I don't know. I mean, ask her. He could have been giving her directions somewhere. Maybe her phone was messed up with the internet. I mean, just talk to each other. But we still like to get lost in it. So we still like to, oh, that was so nice. And then we'll go on about our day. Like, yeah, I probably should have watched that. But it was just so beautiful. They ended up together. I actually had to, like, set my book, like, in the past where they didn't have cell phones. Or it was, like, 2010-ish where they didn't have smartphones. So that... Oh. <laughs> My 15-year-old son was like, Mom, it could have just been solved if she would have sent him a Facebook message. And I was like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, how in this book? And I go, well, this is set in 2000 now because they can't, <laughs> they're in different countries. Because it was, and it was my first book. So I was like, later on, I went back and edited it. And I went, this is terrible. He could, She could have just been like, what is your problem? And cornered him in the office. But instead, she's just like, Oh, I'm sad. I'm going to run away. <laughs> yeah, but, I, but, but I think also that we still do that. I think there is some, you know, realism there. Because how many times do we assume things as people, you know? So how many times have we t- taken things out of proportion and someone said something and they meant it a different way, but then, you know, we're upset about it for the next 24 hours and then we finally talk about like, oh, okay, well, I wish I had known that yesterday. I could have saved myself all this energy. <laughs> so I still think it still shows that we as humans can take things out of proportion. Like, okay. Let's just talk about it. Let's just sit down. So I think it still shows that, you know, we have our ways and, you know, like, because it's easy to point it out when you're reading it. Like, yeah, yeah I didn't say it yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love, one of my favorite romantic movies is The Wedding Singer with Adam Sandler. And I oh. can watch that movie, like, over and over. And I know exactly what's going to happen. I know she's going to find Linda the next day, but they never did anything. And they're, but every single time that, like, something happens that screws up their relationship, or them going towards a relationship. Like, I love the part where it's like, oh, practice the church tongue. Practice the church kiss. And I'm like... <gasps> Just tell each other that you love each other, but like they can't because they get interrupted. And 
those are really the moments that I live for when I'm reading. Because if an author can make me go, oh my God, they just are so, they can't tell each other's going on. I love it. I will keep reading when I see that trope. Definitely. All the time. Yes. I do like the interrupted kiss, honestly. about the industry. Like, <laughs> yes. I read lots of paranormal romance Why after, like, Twilight. Yeah. And that was, know, like, seven, eight oh, years ago. But Why even now, when I was looking up stuff about paranormal romance, it's still the best-selling subgenre of romance. I didn't, like, it's managed to stay relevant for, like, about ten years plus. And then, after the person leaves, Yeah, like, it was L.J. Smith's like, pre-2000, so it's been, like, very popular for very long. I I can't stand that because it's like no you should have but I've done, I think I've used it twice I have 30 books so I can't remember half of them sometimes but um my one of my books they kiss in an arcade so they're like in one of those like arcades where like there's curtains around it you know uh-huh. and so they're like shooting bad guys and he's like leaning over her she's leaning over him and then he just turns like grabs the back of her neck and kisses her uh-huh. and then her four-year-old daughter pulls the curtain open and is like mommy what are you doing <laughs> and I just I loved writing it so much because I was like I just I wanted them to get hot and heavy but then I went it'd be great if they get interrupted by the four-year-old because it was so much fun having to explain that and them going well do you want some juice honey what do you need <laughs> that I'd be getting so mad about that I'm just like yeah gosh darn it just let them be just let them love each other out the rest of the the rest of the book can just be about you know you know just living together and getting to know each other or something i i grasp at straws at that point <laughs> i wish i could write books like that because mine are always like they finally get there and then just the most messed up things happen to them like <laughs> it gets dark really quick sometimes it's really it's really a, a problem <laughs> I accidentally made one of my student, one of my characters, I, I made her addicted to drugs, like uh, prescription pills. Yeah. So like halfway through, well, it was intentional, but through the book, you kind of get this thing that she's like taking something and she says it's like pain pills because she's a ballerina and she got injured and she broke her ankle. Oh, wow. Well, then like halfway through the book, the guy that she's in love with finds her like passed out on the floor and has to rest her to the ER and it turns out she has a pain pill addiction. And my editor just went... You're so mean to her. You just almost killed her. Why did you give her a, a drug addiction? And I went, because she was too nice. She was too good. I had to give her a fault at some point. Um, and so I shocked the audience. And nobody liked it. <laughs> Everybody that read it went, I don't like this book because you made her an addict. Girl, I'm reading that. Right. Uh, you have me intrigued. Yeah. <laughs> But that doesn't some lots of romance uh, readers like the you know the fantasy of it. So they're like, I'm not drug addicted. That's not my. I'm not that type of person. And then skip. So, but I'll be. I would be open to that. I'm gonna read it. You got me like writing down all your books. Like, okay, so you're getting all my money apparently. <laughs> oh. I will send you anything you want to read and you can read it in review because I really just like giving my books away. Like really? I give covers, I give covers away. Like I started taking design classes at the school where I teach and I just started designing covers for um, 
uh, for authors because I was like, man, I remember when I was having to pay 150 bucks for a cover on a book that didn't do really well, and I'd go, oh, I had to waste money on it, and it wasn't the, the, the book the market needed. So I give stuff away all the time. I'd rather have people read my books than, like, you know, go, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I Don't listen to me. I'm a terrible author. Um, people should make money off their books because they put a lot of time and effort into it, but I don't. <laughs> Wow, you're amazing. I love you. <laughs> I'm reading everything. No. <laughs> um, I just wanted to ask, how do you think you can, what, how do you create a strong female character in romance and just in general? Because I know, like, it, it's actually being, like, redefined, it seems like, because, you know, when you think strong woman character, you're like, sometimes the immediate thought is to just make her... I'm going to be very frank, just make her a bitch to everybody. Like, just for some reason, they just love doing that. How do you create a strong female character? I'll take it back to what I said earlier, having her love herself first. And I know that another thing is, despite her attitude, I know career woman is another thing. Like, she's not strong unless she has a career and she's doing it. She's taking care of herself and she's independent. Mm -hmm. But I, I really try, even if she does have a flaw that needs to be worked out throughout the story, regardless if it's an insecurity, something happened to her in her past and her emotional wound, I still want her to go on that journey of, I got to love myself first and make sure that I'm good before I can give myself to this relationship. So she may have her flaws, but I really wanted to come across, you know, that, you know, hey, I'm still working on me. I'm still, you know, trying to grow as a person. So, I mean, I am now currently writing a character. Hopefully she's not coming across as too aggressive, but she is more of a dominant personality. So she speaks her mind, mm -hmm. but I still have her like, you know what, if I offended you, I'm sorry. You know, mm -hmm. if, I, if I said something wrong, you know, I'll come and apologize. And I still have it to where she still loves her family, but she's been hurt so much that she's just guarded. So she just has this, you know, this wall up. But at the same time, on the inside, she's like, you know what, I got to work on this. I got to work on this. So to me, that's strong. You know, you're, you're working through your issues and you're trying to get better every day. You're like, hey, you know, if I need help, I'll ask for help. But be secure in who you are. And you yeah. don't and that does not have to come across as being, you know, you know, don't mess with me, you know, and biting off people's heads with an attitude. You know, just, you know, work on you first. So I try to do that. I really do try to do that because I don't want her to be, you know. Of course, you may not like her, but I still want her to be relatable, even if she does have an attitude. Mm -hmm. You know, I want, I, I want, you know, why does she have that attitude? And I want to make her relatable by, you know, taking her, you know, through that journey. Right. I have a little bit of a different perspective just because I'm more of like the phoenix rising from the ashes type writer. So like I'll have a character who's strong-ish but she's got some of those flaws and then I pretty much just destroy them and then break them down so that they become stronger in the end. And I feel it's a little bit of trope. It's a little tropey I think in a way because it does happen so often but um, it's kind of like it reminds me a lot of Ever After where she's like the she's the daughter that gets abused by the mother and the stepsisters and then all of a sudden she's like I don't, I'm not going to do this anymore I'm going to show up at the ball and I'm going to take the prince and that's what I deserve and so those are that's what I like to read so that's what I write um, and so I, I don't think they have to be a bitch necessarily at all I think that they can and yeah I, I, I love the characters that are like they're guarded they've been through some stuff it makes their personality really vibrant but I also 
I also think that they just have to overcome so many things and come out the other end going, I lived through this, so I can do it again. I can do anything I want. And they kind of merge feeling that like Wonder Woman perspective. And so those are really fun. I just, I, I edit so many books where I see like the character never changes. And that's what drives me crazy is like, they're in love with someone, but then they never once had an internal thought in their brain at all that they were changing or they didn't do anything different. People around them didn't notice them doing anything different. And so I think in romance, they have to change. They can't be the same spoiled brat. It, I love Gone with the Wind. That's one of my favorite historical movies, the 1930s. But she pisses me off so much because she just, at the very end, she still sends them away. And I'm... I remember being nine years old and screaming at the TV, like, Rhett loved you, you stupid bitch, and you just let him go, and I don't understand why. I still, I still, I still love Scarlet, though. I still love I still love, she's so spunky and spicy, and I wish I could, and she fit that Southern Belle thing just so perfectly, but I was just, oh, and like, Casablanca is the same way, where he's just like, you have to leave, and I'm like, no. Why? Why do you have to? You don't have to leave. You can just stay there. Right. <laughs> I do agree. They have to change. I I, I really do try because I, I I've had to get better with that. I've just now started to learn how to structure a story. For a long time, I was just writing just to write. So there would be plenty of stories that I would write, and there was no character arc. So now I'm going back to like, okay, how does she start in the beginning? What's the journey in the middle and how does she, you know, overcome this in the end? So hopefully now that I'm growing in that, that you'll be able to see the change because I do want her to change for the better. I know there's some arcs where it doesn't always have a happily ever after, but with me in my category, you know, there's usually going to be a happily ever after. So, but I still want you to see her journey in the middle and that inner conflict that she may be having and those fears that she's trying to face. But at the same time, she's like, you know what, I got to, I got to come out of this. I got to come out of this. Oxa, how do you create <laughs> strong female characters? Or what char- strong female characters do you like? <laughs> I was going to say, I hate, I'm bringing up rom-coms again, but I hate, like, especially in these, like, teen rom-coms when they're like, just put a girl in Doc Martens, make her hate everything and everyone, and that's it. You have a strong female character. Yes. Like, like, my pet peeve right now. Yeah. But uh, a lot of the time as well, when I first started, like, writing female characters, I'm like, just make them exactly like the dude, then they're strong. But I... I quickly like saw that's not the right way to do it. And there's this really good YouTube video. Um, it's someone called the Authentic Observer, and she talks about like female characters aren't meant to be written just like a man is written. It's not just like replace the guy character and write exactly like a female. Like they're like good qualities are the empathy and like other feminine qualities that usually are considered weak, and changing that into something that's good. So I think taking small things like that. And making it like something like kind of any one of us would do and just how we'd like kind of do in a situation like that which isn't always the same but it's just interesting to see it as as an actual woman rather than a guy with breasts right <laughs> do any of you write um like from the male perspective in your romance I do. I've just now started to do that. I like to bounce back and forth between points of view. Yes. And uh, uh, so I love the scene changes. Now, at first, I was head hopping. So I've, I've gotten out of head hopping because I was confusing people. But now I'll have it to where either a whole chapter is with her or I'll have it to where a scene is with her and with him. And I'm really liking writing it from the male point of view. I mean, I, of course, you know, I'm loving it for the female, but I like to see how he feels about her and how he's, you know, working all this out with him 
himself. And the last book that I wrote, I was like, I think I'm in love with this guy myself. <laughs> right? I, love, I mean, I, 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 I love the fact that even though it's about the, um, about them together and of course them falling in love, but I also love how they're growing individually. So it's not just about their relationship. I'm showing her story and I'm also showing his journey as a man. And of course, how they are coming together in a relationship. So I do like to do that. <laughs> My first book was first person from her perspective and his perspective. And I hated writing him. Cause I was <laughs> like, I did. I loved him, but I was just like, he's so boring and I was trying to make him like more because and then when my my editor would point out things like why is he like worrying about what people are wearing like that's not a very manly thing to do and so I really had to work at making him I mean my best friend is a man and so I had to call him and read him stuff and him be like stop delete everything go back guys would think this way um, and then my time traveler, Gil, was born of that other character because I sat down and I was like, okay, I need to practice how to write a man. So I wrote this misogynistic jerk that gets dumped in the Middle Ages and a queen just like rolls right over him like, oh, no, hell no, you ain't going to be disrespectful to the queen. So I, I, I love writing from the male perspective because it not only does it show the strong role model, but also it's that opportunity to write either a strong male model or like a, even a beta or a, a weaker man. But it's, I love reading it when somebody can do the male perspective correctly. I don't care you know, what kind of writer they are. Like they have me hooked for life. Um, one of my favorite interracial authors, Janae Keys, she does, if you haven't read her books, you got to check her out, but she only does male at like first person man and then first person woman. And it's always um, black woman, white man. And I love all of her stuff. I can't, every time I get her book, I'm like, Oh, time to read this. I have a work to do, but I can just not do that right now because I have to read this book. Oh, I was going to say writing in a male perspective as well. I don't know if I'm doing it accurately, but I started it off like it wasn't in his perspective. So he comes off like a proper lad, like, um, he's into all this manly stuff and he's like toxic and everything but it's shown later on he's actually quite close to his mom so when he gets more involved in like falling in love he's like so mom that romantic book you were reading and can you just tell me more about women and he's like trying like trying to get into like romance novels and I'm like that's the kind of character I want to meet it's really hard because I I grew up in England my dad was stationed in the in the air in the military and so I love writing British characters all the time I have a British guy an Irish guy a Scottish guy and I think a two Frenchmen and so I'm always writing these European characters and they're so nice and proper and polite and then people will read it and they'll be like I want him to roll up on a motorcycle in a cornfield and like sweep me off my feet. And I'm just like, I'm over here like he's got a top hat and he's smoking a cigarette and he's got like, like the perfect cup of tea. And I like, I like the British thing. I'm a little salty because I asked Oxa the other day. I was like, Oxa. Do people in the UK think that <laughs> Americans and American accents are sexy? And she was like, no. It's disgusting. <laughs> when we lived over there, people would like hear us talk and you could see them like openly laughing at us. And it was, and my family grew up in, in Georgia. And so we were very like, get out of my way, Southern, like, do, you know, do your own thing. And when we were in England, people would come up to us and tell us to shut up. Like, it was, oh, Dang. yeah. <laughs> but it's, 
it's so funny because I have that experience and my first boyfriend was British. And so he would always be like, stop talking, stop, just shut your face. And so I can write those characters down that are just like, for an American, you talk a lot. And then the woman goes, I do. And he's like, yes, the best thing a lady can wear is silence. (laughs) And so... It's fun to write that because then she can go, oh, no, we're not having this conversation. Goodbye. Have a nice life. Um, <laughs> but oh, wow. no, it's that's horrifying I, to hear. I talk a lot. I'll yeah. be like, whatever. <laughs> oh, I talk. So I talk so much. And it's really terrible when I'm teaching because my students will just be like, are you going to stop talking? now? <laughs> no. Are you one of those teachers that I would love? I'd be like. Oh, uh, I like I had another teacher. Let's call him Mr. Smith. I'll be like, Mr. Smith, how was your weekend? Watching the clock, like, please, please, oh, clock along. <laughs> hands down. I teach speech, and my speech students will be like, give us an example from like a Dungeons and Dragons game. And I'll be like, oh, I have a great. And then 25 minutes will go by, and they'll be like, oh, it's time to go. And I'm like, what? No, we haven't even, we haven't finished the syllabus yet. Yeah, that's. My, my characters do that a lot, too. I have a, a guy who goes on and on about how there's no coffee in the Middle Ages, and he's trying to explain coffee to people, and they're just like, sire, we don't know what coffee is. And he's like, well, then you're all losers, and he just leaves. <laughs> that sounds like gold. Yeah. I actually made a really cool reference in one of them where he was like, I don't understand why English people drink tea. And his sister's like, because we dumped it in the harbor in the 1700s. That's why they always drink tea. <laughs> and he goes, <laughs> so he's a time traveler in a British court in the Middle Ages. And he's like, I'm going to change this. I'm going to make sure that America drinks tea because this is stupid. I don't want coffee anymore. I love it. They never shut up. So... The romance industry, it's dominating, right? I I just found out that it is a one billion, like over one billion dollar industry. That it, it, it dominates sci-fi and fantasy combined. Like it makes more than those. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you, why do you think, why do you think that is? I would say, because deep down inside, it, I think we all have one thing in common as human beings. We all want to be loved. We want to be loved for who we are. So it's nice to watch a love story unfold. And again, I've said before, you know, we we get to live vicariously through these people, (laughs) you know, whether we're reading it or if we're watching it, you know, because you're like, oh, I wish I had that. Oh, I wish a guy would do that for me. Oh, that was so sweet. So we're living vicariously through that. And it touches something in all of us, you know, that we can connect with, whether, you know, we liked all the characters or we just had one favorite. We're like, oh, I wish I had that. I think, too, everybody's reading romance, whether they like to admit it or not, because I have male friends that will read my books and just drop it into a conversation, things that they wouldn't know unless they read the book. And I'm like, really? So if you think it's just women reading books, it's not. It's men, too, because they're trying to figure out why women like it. And so it's one of those things where, like, and with Kindle, with ebooks especially, you can read wherever and whenever. So it's really dominating because everyone, I mean, your pastor's wife is sitting in front of church reading Fifty Shades of Grey on her phone. You know, everyone is reading romance. And so that's why it's huge too is it's just everywhere i think there's so many different things and like you said there is something for everyone so it's very high high levels of escapism which is kind of what you want in a book 
So, for example, you were mentioning your addiction story about the ballerina. My mm-hmm. friend, she loves romance, but she likes the mushy ones. She'll never read that. And when I tell her to read something like tragic, she's like, why would I want to read something that makes me sad? Like, life makes me sad anyway. <laughs> so I get so never- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's why I try to stay lighthearted with my stories. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I mean, I mean, yes, I know that, you know, life, you know, stuff happens in life, but I still like that escapism, even for me as a reader. You know, nine times out of ten, I do want to read a happy ending, you know, and see, you know, them triumph as a couple, you know, like, yeah, they went through a lot to get here, but yeah, they still made it. So it is nice, you know, to see that. So I'm probably like her, like, I want to read this. I want to start crying. <laughs> like, it's too much for my emotions. Don't do this. <laughs> Have you ever cried while writing a character? Yeah. No. No? No. I... I'm a bad writer. Let me just quit right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have, well, if I'm writing about something like, like, of course, her emotional will, like if she's really insecure about something, I will feel that emotion with her. But I have yet to write one where I'm just like bawling my eyes out. We're like, oh my goodness, this is so sad. But I, I, I can read, you know, like, oh, okay, yeah. Like, ooh, like, yeah, I'm getting really deep with this emotion here. Yeah, her past is really getting to her right now. Okay, yeah, she's remembering some stuff. Oh, this is getting deep right here. But again, you know, it's, I still try to keep it, you know, lighthearted and me at, at the same time, still showing that, you know, you know, that she can be relatable, you know, to the female readers. And of course, also with him, you know, uh, I haven't got quite there yet, but again, you know, I'm still working on the emotion part. So have you, right? I want to know. Uh, oh yeah. So okay. I, I cry all the time when I oh. get to the crying moment. I know that it's time to start wrapping the book up. Oh. So my husband will be like, have you cried yet? And I'm like, no. And he's like, oh, you still have like three chapters to go. So oh. when it gets to the point where they're crying, yeah, I know. Um, and then I wrote four books in a series and I didn't cry for any of them. And then I turned them into audiobooks. And when my narrator read about a certain character dying because the time traveler has to go back to the future, so she had to die. Um, and then he like read him like screaming the moment when she died. I was, I just started bawling. I was like, Oh my gosh, when I wrote this, I didn't realize it was going to hurt so bad, but it, to hear somebody read it was just really poignant. But yeah, I, every single book I've cried. <laughs> it's, it's, wow. And and still my editor will be like, You need more emotions here. And I'm just like, he literally is like had his heart ripped from his chest and you're like wanting more emotion. What what the what the heck? <laughs> and so yeah, the emotion thing is hard because I just oh my goodness. The ballerina story, he had the ballerina story, he had to stand there and be like, I've literally loved you for two years and you're just too stupid to see it and I'm done. And he just leaves. And she goes, keep going, keep going. And so it ended up with him being like, you've trampled my heart like broken glass and you've shattered every piece of me. And it's not getting put back together at this point because of what you've decided to do. You chose pills over me and it's over. And she goes, good, now do it again. (laughs) Dang. So (laughs) the emotion thing is like, if you're not feeling like being pulled on your heartstrings, your reader may not be able to either. So like, if you're like, man, I wonder how I could get this more emotional. Keep going. Keep, I mean, and yes, it does get cliche. Yes, it does get a little tropey at some points, but for me, I really, really want that emotion when I'm reading. And so when you're writing, Making yourself cry is probably the best way to know you've got a good scene, I think. 
Have you cried, Oxen? Um, well, I have like a full narrative for like one specific character. It's not the main character, but I know what's going to happen to her. So I cry every time she has a scene. Like even if it's happy, I'm like, but I know what's going to happen to you. Like cry whenever I do something to her. Yeah. It's really hard when you know you have to be mean to somebody, especially if it's like killing them off or breaking their heart or something. And you're like... Yeah, later this is going to be terrible. I have a character who has a miscarriage, and so I wrote a whole story about how they named the baby, and they're just, like, lying in bed. And I had gone back after the miscarriage scene and wrote in them in bed naming the baby. And then so when I had to edit it, it just, like, hit me all over. I was like, why have I done this to myself? It's still the best-selling book I have because people just get there, and they just – and they go – what what have you done so yeah yeah i i kind of did that to myself (laughs) it sounds great um i have my next question is you know there's a certain stigma with romance like we've been talking about all the tropes we hate and i think a lot of people hate them some more than others do you think that (laughs) romance because it's dominated by women that people are a little hard or not a little, a lot harder on it than they would be for like sci-fi or fantasy, because I've seen some trash sci-fi fantasy tropes, but I don't hear people crap on it half as often as I do romance. What do you think? That, I mean, I I guess I ignore that because I think I've seen romance over I've had more people talk about my science fiction. Like my romance, no one ever says, oh, great, she's pregnant. You've used that in two other books. No one has ever (laughs) said I have a secret baby trope in like three books. And I know specifically I have a secret baby trope and people eat it up. But in my sci-fi book, my editor was like, oh, what a coincidence that everybody just showed up on this planet at the same time. And I'm like, oh, come on. That's literally the plot of Star Wars. Like, come on. So like, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't, I just ignore it most of the time too, because it's like, there's not a lot of romance ideas there's so many that we're running out I think and so most of the time when people like I don't like this secret baby or this friends to lover thing I'm like good then go read someone else because it's not changing I'm not going to just be like oh let me change this entire plot because one person hated it yeah sorry It's like I didn't write it for you anyway right (laughs) you didn't like it (laughs) thanks for trying I was going to say, it has been, like, a thing as well to, like, hate on a lot of things that, like, women do like. So there was this trend that whatever, like, young girls like, everyone else just tends to hate. Twilight. So YA romance in general, that gets the most criticism. And, for example, when Twilight was out, it got a lot of criticism only because of the fan base. Like, when people didn't read it, they're just like, oh, if young girls like it, clearly it's not good. Right. So there is a stigma about hating things that women especially young women don't like well it's like i love cassandra claire's books because they're like ya urban fantasy i love and she did historical steampunk and i just love her books but all the time people go well that's ya why are you reading that that's for kids that's really dumb and then they made a show about it and people hated that too and i was like just leave people alone just let them read whatever they i don't care if someone's reading 50 shades of gray on the bus just let them enjoy things it's okay (laughs) 
people don't understand that the young people, they're the tastemakers. Like, if they like it, especially young girls, it's going to pop, and you're going to be hearing about it for a long time. Kind of like how BTS is, but even, like, older people like it, too. I like it. It's pretty funny. <laughs> I like it. My daughter got me into it, and I was like, yeah, this is pretty good, but... My best friend makes fun of me all the time. Like, what is this terrible foreign stuff? And I'm like, listens to German music? Really? Come on. <laughs> BTS is fire. Yes, uh, it is. Agreed. So, I wanted to talk about, like, okay, so obviously you're going to be reading these books and hearing about the or uh, reading these tropes a lot, and it's imperative that you do as a writer, right? Um, you're going to be doing that with whatever genre that you write. How do you differentiate yourself from those people that you read? Do you guys find that you go down a slippery slope and start, uh, you know, copying the people that you're reading? No, honestly. And uh, even though I am a reader, it's interesting because I hated reading as a kid. For some reason, it just did not connect with me. But now that I am a writer, I, I read, especially in my genre. And I do look at patterns, but I'm not reading from the standpoint of, okay, I need inspiration. I'm reading more of the standpoint of, okay, I have the story in my head, but how do I, you know, construct it? on this laptop here to, you know, really form this story. Cause for mm -hmm. a long time, you know, I was just writing just to write. So I'm just now learning the mechanics of how to craft a story. So I'm looking at the best sellers like, okay, this is how they opened it. Okay. This is the inciting incident here. Okay. How are they pacing it? So I'm reading it more from that perspective. So I still enjoy it as a reader, but now I kind of feel like, well, I'm reading this more for research now <laughs> because, I, because I'm trying to see, you know, like I, I'm learning from the, from the greats here so mm -hmm. they're, they're I guess in a way they're my mentors without really being here but it, nine times out of ten I already have the story in my head I have this concept an idea came into my head randomly I'm like okay so this idea how do I you know form this and really flesh this out into an 85,000 word book so I look and I go ahead and I read okay this is how they form the story okay and at the same time I'm working on my outline and I'm doing my character profiles, but I'm still reading like, okay, this is okay. Like, okay, so this is how you have a general map here. All right. And this is how they end. So I'm reading it as research, but I'm still crafting it myself and mm -hmm. say, okay, this is how I'm going to tell the story. This is how I'm going to, you know, lay this out for readers, you know, to enjoy. So that's how I've been doing it from, from that perspective. <clears throat> I, <clears throat> I definitely steal ideas from other authors. I just reword it. I'm not even gonna lie. Um, I read uh, Stephen King's 112263 about a time traveler who goes back to the 60s to stop Kenny from being assassinated. And I was like, yep, I'm writing a time travel story now. And a lot of that imagery came through. I think if anybody read my time travel, they'd probably be like, hey, that kind of looks like a Stephen King novel. Um, but mo and I, I sometimes I'll read for inspiration too, just to see like how to get from A to B and that helps a lot. It, you have to be a reader if you're going to write, that's just a given, but there's other times where I will read a story and I'll be like, yes, that scene, I need to take that scene, but change it to fit my characters. And that's how I'm going to get myself out of a plot hole. Mm -hmm. And I do as rom-coms too. Like I'll watch movies all the time. I'll be like, I can't write this book. I don't know, have this idea. I don't know what to do with it. I'll watch a rom-com and be like, yes, the elevator. I need there to be an elevator in this scene so they can be stuck and fall. And, you know, and I think that's why I have a lot of tropes too, is because I see it on a rom-com and it'll work. And I'll be like, yeah, I'm going to use this. I'm going to use the coffee shop. I'm going to use the, you know, air 
airport. I don't do I have, I don't have an airport scene yet, but I gotta put an airport scene in there some point, you know. Um so it's definitely oh yeah. It's it's a huge inspiration, but it's also just a yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this scene and probably rework it and thank you for giving me the good idea. <laughs> yeah, and I, and sometimes I may have a similar concept, you know, like if I see something like in a movie or if I read something like interesting, but if I personally didn't like how the story turned out, I'll go ahead and be like, okay, this is how I would write it. This is how right. I probably would have, you know, made some twists here and there. So there have been times when that happened, but honestly, my ideas come in random moments and mm-hmm. I go ahead and make a note of it and I'm like, okay, <laughs> how do we get this out? <laughs> and you put a thousand words here. I got my my second my first publishing deal that I got with a publisher in New Zealand was because I was at the gym and I heard the song Leaving on a Jet Plane and I literally was like, Oh, there's this couple and he's leaving and she's staying, but then what happens if the airport blows up and he's behind the whole thing? And I wrote a whole like dystopian the world ends, the terrorists invade like series, and I was like, There's no way anyone in America is publishing this. And sure enough, I had a New Zealand publisher and a British publisher that fought over it. And then finally the New Zealand publisher got it because they paid more um (laughs) that was just that one song and I was like just that yeah it just I wrote a whole book on it (laughs) I saw like a lot of things recently about people talking about like imposter syndrome and I actually didn't know what that was so I was like yeah I definitely don't have that because first of all I don't know what they're talking about um (laughs) A lot of like, I feel like because I'm writing a fantasy, it was like, first of all, it came from like George R.R. Martin. But when I like was reading it, I'm not in the same time period. So it doesn't really help. It's more like how it's written. So I read, I like I said, I read a lot, a lot of books that make me really sad as well. So again, they tend to be like war torn or something. So I, again, it's more just conjuring the emotions rather than the actual plot lines. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, I think more closely to what I write is what I watch on like movies and tvs so i'll read and i'll have to stop myself from like it mostly it's like the writing style that i get caught up on i'm like okay i'm writing but sometimes my voice gets a little lost like i was just reading a laney taylor book and she's like the queen of beautiful sentences and i'm like oh well here's my beautiful sentences too. And I'm like, like, I didn't take it exactly from her, but like, you could see like, oh, she's been reading Lainey Taylor. I, I knew somebody who knew a teacher who could actually read your, read your book and be like, oh, you've been reading Stephen King, haven't you? Oh, you've been reading J.K. Rowling, haven't you? And like, that's cool. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And honestly, one of my favorites uh, to read me personally is Bella Andre, but I, uh, I watched an interview with her and she was just speaking of the standpoint of, you know, from everything that she does from her book cover all the way until she types the end of all of her books. She says, I want to evoke emotion. So that's one thing that I take away from her as I find my own style and my own voice, you know, evoking that emotion. Can my readers feel something? Mm-hmm. They may not cry. I mean, I may not make you cry, but 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 can I get you to identify with my lead characters and can you feel, you know, this story? So I, I, I do take that, you know, in terms of advice and 
while I do read across the board, you know, I, I'm still, you know, wanting to find my own style. And honestly, I have to get better at prose. So I may not be an expert with the beautiful sentences yeah. I, because I'm better at dialogue. And, I, and I'll find myself, you know, rushing through the narrative to get to the dialogue because I hear this conversation. I got to get to this conversation. But like pulling back and like, OK, let's, you know, let's let's practice more. So I'm constantly practicing and practicing and practicing so that, you know, it'll all flow together. Right. Do you think uh, dialogue is important for romance? Because I have so much dialogue and it just, it drives me crazy because I always think I have too much. So would you guys rather see them talk to each other or hear them talk about a conversation? What do you think? Honestly, I like both. I, I really like both. I love the internal thoughts that they may be having, but I also, I, I personally like to see the conversation going on and I, I like to hear, you know, well, no, not really here, but I can hear it in my head as I'm reading it. Like, oh, oh, okay, you know. So I, I personally like both, but I think there needs to be, you know, a balance with it, with it all, because I know I can write too much myself. So, and I've had a few beta readers tell me that, like, I'll probably cut some dialogue. I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> I've had that too. They're not done flirting. How am I supposed to cut this scene down? <laughs> I don't and, know, but I try so hard with that. I try to, but I really do try, you know, to to balance because I personally like to, you know, have the the thoughts revealed as well. Like they could be in the same room and they could be talking, but if she's thinking something, I want to reveal that. But she may not say it out loud. And then of course, if, if I switch to his point of view, he may be thinking something, but he may not say it out loud. So I like to see both. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Internal thoughts are so important too. Like you pepper them, sprinkle them very, very liberally because. If we have no idea what they're thinking, like it changes the whole dynamic of the conversation. Because if they're just like, yes, I'll have a water. And then she's like, what am I doing? I hate water. I should have had a soda. I'm so nervous. It changes the whole and it makes it kind of like a comedy, too. You know, like it's it's humorous to see those kind of awkward situations. It makes you feel like you're there. (laughs) Yeah. Watching it go down. It's really fun to sit in Starbucks and watch people talk or argue or be on. I watched somebody in an Italian restaurant on a not kidding a tinder date i had to stop and ask them if they were on a tinder date and they were um because they both ordered lobster and they argued about money the whole time and i took that and put it into a story because i was like this is perfect just two strangers on a date that fall in love over lobster (laughs) in romance i live for like the flirty banter so like i need that dialogue in my life (laughs) that's good to hear (laughs) Yeah, I just love it. It's I like... love the bantering. I love the bantering, especially if it is an enemies to lovers book. Yes. I, 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 I love that going back and forth with them. And I'm like, it's only a matter of time. <laughs> yeah, matter. you just know. <laughs> I forgot about this trope, but you know, like when they don't like each other and they're talking and they say something like kind of weird, but then when they're together, they repeat that line. I'm just like, oh, I ship it. Oh my gosh. One of my books, he actually is talking with a coworker, and the coworker says, I'm going to date her because she's a curvy gal. And he goes, Yeah, that's disgusting. I don't like my women chunky. And she's in the coffee shop standing behind him, and he never heard her come in. And so she's like, I'm what? Because she basically heard him say that she's too fat for him. And she goes, I'm what? And he turns around, he goes, well, you know, we're just, we're friends and it's fine. And she was like, no, we were friends and you're an asshole. And then the other guy goes, yeah, because she's going out with me tonight. So who got the girl now? <laughs> so it's, it's a lot of fun to do those like, 
<laughs> walking <laughs> seats. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I think that's probably uh, the most prevalent in my upcoming release is because while they technically, you know, grew up together, they always they just love picking on each other. Like silly little arguments for nothing. Like he'll say something to get on her nerves and then she'll say something, no, you know, it's like, okay, fine, whatever. But then she'll say something back. So, but you just like, it's only a matter of time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. It's just when they've grown up together and they're friends and then all of a sudden they just like hit that moment where they're just like, you know, you, me, you, you know? And then, yeah, yeah reading that is just one of my favorite things in books. You guys Stop are making it. me think about the fan fictions I've read that I've just been in love with and they've just been beautifully crafted and you, you get attached to the characters and it's been going on for like 30 chapters and then they just stop writing and I get no closure and I'm just sad the entire time. So maybe that's why I should actually start reading romance books instead of fanfic. <laughs> Yeah, I ha- I personally have to have closure. If it's on a series, then I may do the happily, you know, forever right now type of thing. But most of my books has been standalone. So we're going to resolve it by the time you get to the last chapter of the epilogue. I hate being left hanging like that. Now, if it's a series, fine, but not in a standalone. I mean, like, come on, now, please. <laughs> oh, I have one. I have two romance series and one of them is a cliffhanger, but it's like sci-fi mostly. So it has to end with like they jump in the water to escape the Nazis or whatever's going on, you know. And so people just were like, oh, this is a cliffhanger. Don't pick it up. And I'm like, really? But then my romance series, no one said anything about it they were like oh yeah I just whirled on the next book and I'm like oh now you're not mad about it but I do make sure and resolve the major issues but in my sci-fi romance I was like no nothing's getting resolved not until the very end of the series and uh, yeah I it's really irritating for me because I love cliffhangers so much I'm like oh it ends with the monster after them yes I'm gonna go get the next book you know that's just that's my favorite thing, but I don't think readers like it very much. <laughs> but the thing about fanfics, they won't even come back. Like, it's like, oh, they updated it in 2016. I don't think they're coming back. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Tragic. <laughs> um, okay, so I wanted to talk about a little bit of industry news. And Nora Roberts, romance writer, romance queen. <laughs> queen, yes. <laughs> We wish we were Nora Roberts. I've actually never read her stuff, but her books are just so ingrained in my head. I'm like, yeah, that's a Nora Roberts book right there. (laughs) Um, She's suing someone named Christian Soria for plagiarism. I don't know if any of you saw this, but it was probably trending and whatever. They they coined, allegedly, Christian Soria, um, they, they said that her stuff was a literary patchwork piecing together phrases whose form portrays emotions practically identical to those expressed in the plaintiff's books. So they said she was taking Nora Roberts stuff and allegedly a whole bunch of other people's stuff. And they called her copy paste Chris. Hashtag copy paste Chris. <laughs> and, and I, I think I think this is the one where this chick had hired a ghostwriter. Is this the same case? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, she said that she worked with a few ghostwriters from Fiverr. 
Yeah. Right. Oh, wow. And she had, and so the ghostwriters had got a hold of Nora Roberts' like books that were plagiarized, that were like free books on like a pirate site, and they had just copied and pasted a bunch of stuff and then turned it into the Christina check. And she was like, "Oh, this looks fantastic!" And she'd never read a Nora Roberts book, so she had no idea. And so, yeah, now she's being sued because she published this stuff under her name, even though a ghostwriter plagiarized. And so um, there was a huge backlash in, in, in the Facebook writing community because people were like, hashtag, I write my own books. I would never hire a ghostwriter. Look, James Patterson hires ghostwriters. Stephen King hires ghostwriters. That's not the point. It's the point that if it's your name, you have to check and make sure what's in the content. Yeah. I don't care if you have a ghostwriter or not. I could give – I mean, if you're a great writer and you – didn't write any of it and you paid for someone to write it for you fine i'm still gonna read you but make sure that that stuff is not plagiarized i mean it it's not hard but i i i feel so bad for the christina chick because i don't think it was her fault i think she was just like oh this is such a great book that my ghostwriter gave me not knowing that it had already been written by somebody else who's a really good author so poor Nora Roberts for giving her book stolen in the first place. Poor Christina. It's such a terrible thing on both sides. It really is. Yeah, you got to watch out for that stuff because Nora Roberts, she said, she said a lot of other writers involved in this, they don't have the money to fight it. I do have the money. I thought that was baller when she said it. First of all, I was like, dang, she ain't playing. So hopefully... <laughs> I mean, hopefully it is just, a, you know, a misunderstanding and it was the Fiverr thing and whatever. I, I would hate to think that somebody would be like, well, let me just take a couple of Nora Roberts uh, sentences and plug it in here and then take somebody else's sentence and plug it in here. What do you guys think? There's like two really important things. First of all, as you guys were saying, if you're writing, you have to read, which is doing your research. So as a writer, do a little bit of research. Mm-hmm. And the second is get reliable sources like in the last podcast EJ spoke about getting like reliable editors as well mm-hmm. getting reliable ghostwriters is very important so it's just a chain of things that went wrong yeah and when I saw that I mean it really did throw me for a loop and of course we know that plagiarism is out there but I think the last count that I saw was 95 books with over 40 authors having their work stolen I was like oh my Right. <laughs> and you know, I mean, it, I even saw a few tweets from some other writers in the community. It was like, well, should we even publish? Like, should we even put our stuff out there? It's just going to get stolen. And there's a lot of discouragement there because, you know, we're a lot of us are doing it. Like, I'm trying my best here and I'm trying to do it myself. And I'm, you know, in, even if you do hire a ghostwriter, you know, don't steal. I think that's the whole, you know, point of it. It's like, you know, don't steal other people's work. You know, they work hard for what they have. And yes, writing is something that we have to work at. It's not, it's not easy to do it. I mean, it, it takes a lot to hold a reader's attention for however many words you write, whether it's a novella or if you keep it, you know, for a hundred thousand plus, it, it takes a lot for that. So to have that, you know, just, discount it all together like oh okay but we'll just put some things together here and I actually looked at the passages I believe one of the authors on the list is Courtney Milan and she had it on her blog and she had the passages lined up side by side and I was reading that like okay you know a few words I know sometimes we can have a, like a similar idea we can have you know a similar storyline but this was like passages of a scene almost word for word verbatim pretty much verbatim like 
okay, yeah, this is just. <laughs> I believe she yeah. said she plugged it into like one of those plagiarism checkers online. I'm like, you gotta go a little bit farther than a plagiarism checker, okay? Yeah, it's like, oh, Grammarly said it's fine, so I can publish it. Like, no. And plus, why did this chick have beta readers or something that was looking at her books before she published them that might catch some of this stuff? Mm-hmm. Because I mean, it's like she didn't even. She was just like, oh, it's perfect. Let's. Her editor didn't even go, huh? This kind of looks like Nora Roberts, you know. Like, I don't know what she, I think as indie authors, we have to have a higher standard of putting our books out there. Because I see people that, I mean, like, I love reading stuff on Wattpad, but it's super dangerous. If you're putting a whole book on there, it's not protected. They can steal whatever they want off Wattpad, period. Um, People that post whole chapters on their website, stop doing that. It's very dangerous. They can take the whole chapter um, and use it and you don't even know. Yes, it's illegal. Hopefully you find out, but there's millions of people on the internet. Uh, So I, like, I used to hand out ARCs to a list that I would just pull off of, you know, oh, sign up and I'll send you this, you know, e-copy or a PDF or whatever. And I've actually gone to, like, books for out where they monitor mobies and epubs and pdfs um and so that you don't get to download that copy you just mm-hmm. read it on their website you know because once you yeah. send an ebook copy even if you think you trust the person they could get hacked they could send it out to somebody so i think it as indies we really need to hold ourselves to a higher standard like traditional published authors like uh it's your thing it's your book it's your intellectual property you have to protect it um so that it doesn't get plagiarized and and come up in this case Exactly. And I've even taken a step further since I've seen that, you know, because at first, you know, I didn't have anything, you know, registered with the copyright office uh, because I feel okay, intellectual property, it's mine. But going and taking that step further to make sure, you know, that it is protected, you know, should, you know, God forbid, you know, this should happen. And it's it's really sad because, like I said, people work hard. Mm-hmm. People work hard. And, you know, we just I, I hate to see that and again it threw me with how many books mm-hmm. it was like this five mm-hmm. six 95 mm-hmm. people are trying to make a living on this stuff and you yeah. still in a stuff you still in a livelihood that's crazy and it's like you know how long i sit at my laptop you know what i mean how much time i take away from my family you know how much time you know i it's like this is what I do, and it's something that I enjoy doing. And then for it just to be, you know, counted as nothing because someone just took a few passages or, you know, like, really? Uh-uh. The blood, sweat, and tears I poured into this book, like, it's not even finished. And if somebody stole my raggedy, unrevised first chapter, I'd be like, how dare you? <laughs> well, that's what happened with Stephanie Myers. She was oh. going to write the Twilight series from Edward's perspective. Yes. And it got leaked onto the internet. Her PA took her stuff and just emailed it to everybody. And so, like, they're not even, yeah. They're not even protected half the time. So I didn't like, know it was her PA. What? Oh yeah. Oh Ooh, yeah. Fired. Did you guys hear about J.K. Rowling's PA that she just fired a couple weeks ago? No. Oh my god. So <laughs> her 
she's suing her PA for like $400,000 because her PA went and bought makeup, toiletry, lingerie and stuff with J.K. Rowling's credit card. And so she fired her and is suing her. And there's a huge thing because like the PA says that she bought this stuff for J.K. Rowling with her verbal permission. And so there's a huge thing because like in in British court, verbal um, permission actually does stand up. And it oh doesn't in America, but it does in England. If you make a verbal contract in England, it's a legal contract and so yeah she's she's uh in a legal battle right now with her pa who just ran i mean just rang up her credit card for the tune of half a million dollars i wouldn't be yeah. surprised if that person was just like she a billionaire she got it and she probably won't even notice it just went to sephora yes, she and had will. a ball <laughs> i know <laughs> I have a PA that does stuff and I love her to death and she's great about promoting stuff, but some people have PAs running their Facebook page and their Twitter. And I'm just like, once I have to give a password to somebody like, no, that's just not something I'm willing to do. And I wish I had someone to run all my social media because it is crazy how much you have to post to be relevant, especially on Twitter. But I'm like, I'm terrified that the minute I give somebody a password, it's going to get abused. I would like to move on to trolls in the writing community. We've seen them. They oh, are God. out here. I actually, uh, I'm not going to like call out any names, not that she did anything bad, but uh, I saw that somebody was getting trolled on uh, Twitter and I located it back to who it was. And this person was just spouting like crazy negativity, like, your writing sucks, you should probably never write again, you, you suck, and yeah, you're you're a horrible writer. And it's just like, wow, people, and I don't even think she was a bot. People are really going around doing this with their names attached as well, I'm just saying. But have you ever had any trolls? I'm going to let Rebecca go first. <laughs> oh, really? Is this because we had this conversation already? So my troll is like the worst anyone's ever heard of because it was actually a whole group on Facebook. Um, I would love to tell you what the group is, but I won't because they'll probably harass me more. Um, but I had posted just a cover for one of my books. It was a $300 cover done by a professional. I mean, it was a very nice, gorgeous cover. And I had posted it and said, like, does anybody get that this is romance? Because it was uh, like abstract kind of Great Gatsby style. And I was really going for, I didn't want naked man chest on my books because I'm classier than that, I think. Um, and it was a woman's, it was women's fiction. It was, it was the strong female type. It wasn't about the romance. And I had 35 messages in 45 minutes from people that were like, that's a terrible cover. I just looked at your profile on Amazon. All your books are trash. I looked at your first chapter. I mean, 30 different people. And then it did stop for two weeks and I was blocking and they'd create another Facebook page and they would message me. It was terrible. And I'm not even like, I'm not a celebrity. I'm not a bestseller. I've got 30 books out. I've got a really small fan base. Like, I just, I can't believe how much they harassed me. And it was to the point where I had to call the police and go, is there anything I can do about people on the internet? And they were like, there's really nothing we can do to trace, you know, anonymous pages that just get thrown up and, and are taken down the next day. And so, I mean, it was so bad. I had people telling me, stop writing, go kill yourself. Um, you're just a terrible person. Um, 
it was it was bad. It was the worst I've ever seen. I actually stopped writing for three months, took everything down, unpublished all my books. I wouldn't be writing today if it wasn't for a publisher who actually approached me and was like, hey, we saw one of your books. We saw what happened to you. And we really think that um, we would like you to sign with us. And so that was kind of the turning point in, in my career. But I will never, I will never, ever again publicly ask for assistance. I will never post um, excerpts from chapters again i will never post covers um i have two or three people that beta read and i have an editor i will never again post post publicly so that kind of left a really lasting impression and uh, if you're listening to this and you've been trolled block don't ever respond don't protect yourself don't defend yourself just block them delete the message and just move on because uh d- dwelling on it and trying to fight back will just destroy you it really will so just let them go Wow. That's why I wanted you to go first because I saw that. Like, I want to hear Rebecca's story first because I was just surprised. I'm like, that that's crazy. I personally haven't dealt with anything to that degree. Uh, the most that's probably happened is those 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 flirty men. But I saw that mo- I felt that more on Instagram, and there was a few that well, one in particular that kept messaging me, and I had to block. So I personally do agree with you, Rebecca. You know, when we do see that, don't even you know engage in that just go Mm -hmm. ahead and block Mm -hmm. and get away from that and I personally believe that you know what you put out you attract so I do my best to put out you know kindness and respect so I'm not going to bully somebody on social media we can agree to disagree but you know that's just that's just ridiculous and it's sad that you know some people just don't have nothing better to do you have nothing better to do and you're hating on what I'm doing you know I'm trying to work hard in my craft and in my business so I mean hey I'm sorry if you know you're not in a place in your life where you want to be but keep I mean don't put that out on me because you're not helping the situation first and foremost so yeah I really hate that that happened to you so yeah I I, I do not condone that at all well it's like for me the minute I have at the time I had 15 novels. So when people were like, all your covers are terrible and that's why you can't sell anything. I really got critical of myself and was like, Oh, I've been doing the, and I had made those rookie mistakes cause I hadn't been publishing that long. Um, and so I went and I just, I had, I replaced all 15 covers and I spent like $8,000 in six months trying to rebrand everything and replace everything. And I mean, like I was spending my savings on it. It was so bad and it didn't even fix the problem. I'm still trying to get back from that. It's been two years and I'm still trying to get out of the trenches because what ended up happening was people kept going, she's complaining about her books and she's changed covers and it damaged my, I feel like it damaged my reputation, even though nobody said that out directly, but I'm still trying to come back. And it was the point where I had to stop doing everything. So I republished my books with new covers. I hired a PA. I hired a publisher. Or I, I started publishing with a publisher. And so for a for two years, I did nothing myself. No takeovers, no promos, no tweets, no nothing. I let the publishing company do everything. I let my PA do everything on Facebook. And so to that, that was terrible as well because they did they didn't sell any books that way either. So I'm still rebranding again. And it's, it's trolls will set you back years, even if you don't respond to them. Mm-hmm. So it's, 
it's it's unfortunate people have nothing better to do than to tear each other down but to now when i see it happening i used to just walk away you know like oh that's not my problem but when i see it happening now i will immediately message the author and be like don't engage with them don't respond walk away from it because the minute you fight back and you try to defend yourself people gang up on you and people love drama and negativity and people will come out of the woodwork just to make you feel like you're a small insignificant person so i mean it sucks that you should be able to stand up for yourself but on the internet when they can hide behind whatever and they can be anonymous and they can find you it's like I was stuck on an Amtrak train for 40 hours in February, made national news, and I had people messaging me out of the blue, wanting to know if I was okay, telling me their personal stories, and I responded to a couple of them, like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry that happened to you, but I did have people that were stalking me, wanting to know where I lived, wanting to know if my family was okay. They wanted my address to send my husband pizza, and I'm like, no, I don't know you from Adam. Right. So, like be really, really careful who you even interact with because they might seem nice, but it's not, a, it's not a good idea. You have to protect yourself. Yeah, I agree. I don't get involved into every conversation. I know because honestly, I wasn't as involved as I am now in terms of interacting, especially with the writing community. Because uh, I just wasn't, I mean, I'm a natural introvert. So even with, you know, getting engaged on Twitter, I'm like, I don't know about this, but I was, you know, working on stepping out of my comfort zone. So but even now I'm very selective. And of course, if I'm getting to know people over, because I'm, I'm most active on Twitter. So you'll see most of my interaction there, but even there, I don't engage in every conversation. And, you know, there may be a few select people that I, that I will communicate with on a regular basis, but I definitely agree with that because not everybody out there is funny. Right, right. I used to be super, uh, super active on Facebook. I was in 30 groups that I commented in every day and everybody knew who I was. And um, it, I left I dropped out of everything. In fact, the reason why I'm on Twitter today is because the toxicity on Facebook was so terrible that I was like, there has to be another way. There has to be another way to connect with people without having to deal with. And I think Twitter limiting what you can post really helped because on Facebook, people are posting these long, like, here's the nine things you should be doing because I think you should be doing it. And you can't do that on Twitter. On Twitter, it's like, have a nice day, you know, because you don't have the energy to go more than one tweet, you know, you run out of, like, yeah. you run out of characters and you're like, oh, yeah, this is just a boring conversation now. You're not arguing about stuff. So, Oxy, you got any stories? I had like a trope. It wasn't from my writing because I don't really post much about my writing. I just post about my struggles in life about with writing. But it was like I posted something kind of like a meme. And then he started, he, he replied back to me and I thought he was kidding. Like in my mind, I'm like, oh, he's just, he's trolling me to be funny. So I'm like, oh, cool. And then he fully like start taking all my replies. Like this person does this. And I'm like, sick. So I'm, I, I found it hilarious. <laughs> um, I blocked him and then he followed me on another account and then like started speaking to me again. I blocked him again. I think he had a third account. So I had to block him three times. But it was, uh, it was always something so stupid. And then he's like, oh, this person, this person. I'm like, sick. All right, then. <laughs> I just found it kind of funny. I saw oh. the meme she posted. I was cracking up. I sent it to my mom. I don't even know why he was <laughs> mad about it. <laughs> it wasn't, it was, it was no way to even construe it as offensive in any way or, or anything to get mad about. But I guess our main, the main thing we can take away from trolls is if you don't want any trolls 
don't be successful, but we all want to be successful. So I guess we're going to get trolls. And even when you're not successful, they'll still kill, kick you while you're down. Like, oh, you're not successful. Ha, ha, ha. Just, that's just ridiculous. I do wish that more social media accounts had the option to turn off your DMs, though. Because mm-hmm. when I was on the train, um, I had to turn off DMs. And so I had, like, news agencies contacting me on Instagram because they couldn't get a hold of me. But I just had so many people mess. I mean, I think I had 175 interviews in 24 hours. And so I had 800 messages on Twitter that I couldn't, I couldn't even go through. It was so bad. <laughs> and so Facebook, I wish Facebook would let you turn off your messages and it doesn't and and Instagram doesn't let you turn it off either so I wish I wish social media would get with it with the people that do have a public persona and like allow us to because like with Instagram if they send a picture you don't have to look at the picture and you can block them immediately without even looking at the picture but the minute you respond then the picture comes up and we all know what the picture is you know some guy randomly messages on Instagram and it's a hidden picture (laughs) you know what it is um, and so it's terrible too. I don't understand why guys are like, hi, how are you? You're sexy. No one's responding to that. No girl is like, I wish some random gross stranger would post, hello, you're sexy. And so I can respond like no one that no. I know. <laughs> I want to see, I want to see, cause you know, um, it happens to the guys too. Like just random creepy women. I heard one dude. Yeah. One dude, uh, he, I forget exactly who it is, but he talked about how a lady was like, Oh, do you want to go, uh, with me to grandma's house to go worship grandma or something like what? So I want to see the, the creepy guy bots and the creepy girl bots and just the creepy guys and girls in general. Just be creepy together. I wonder what that experiment is yeah, like. And leave the rest of us alone, please. Yeah, yeah please. <laughs> all right. Um, now, we're at the end. I would like you all to, you know, plug whatever you need to plug. Your books, your Twitter. What do you got for us? Uh, well, I have a new upcoming release, uh, July 6th, Match Made Christmas, A Sweet Romance. So it'll be available in ebook and paperback. Uh, I am on Twitter, dar- at Daria underscore white 15, and on Instagram, Daria white 90, and of course my website, dariawhite.com. Uh, I have my first YA novel is actually coming out May 15th, so in like a week and a half. Um, it's steampunk, fantasy, Wizard of Oz type story uh, with magic and a little bit of romance. So I'm really excited to be making my first like YA debut. Uh, you can find out more on my website, RebeccaDodson.com. I'm also on Twitter, author underscore R Dodson. Instagram author underscore R Dodson, same one, but I'm most active on Facebook. So if you look up author Rebecca Dodson on Facebook, you can find my page. And so, uh, and all of our upcoming events, I release a book a month. So June, I have a romance coming out. August will be my next time travel adventure. And then in September, my very new series, uh, Kennedy Jones, which is Laura Croft meets Indiana Jones on a race through time to save history. So lots of upcoming things every single month, whether it's a short story, a novella, or a full novel, I do have something for you every month. So I hope to hear from you soon. So um, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, WordPress, all under the same name, Luna's Musings, if anyone wants to follow me. (laughs) 
Well, thank you. That was great. I had a great time with you guys. All right. It was fun, everyone. <laughs> thank you for having me. And I think this was a fun conversation. <laughs> Hope everybody enjoys yourselves. Thank you. Bye-bye. Also, make sure you're following or subscribing at, on whatever platform you're listening to us on so you can keep up and we can be awesome. Yeah, bye.